0: It's time for the IHSA Safety Podcast.
1: Welcome to this podcast series on supervisors. I'm Enzo Garitano, President and CEO of IHSA. And in this episode, we're joined again by host Ken Rayner, Vice President of Customer and Labor Relations, Market Development and Communications here at IHSA. Today, Ken will be joined by Doug Heinz, IHSA's Manager, Health and Safety Education and Accredited Programs as they continue the discussion on supervisors in a federally regulated workplace. Please join Ken and Doug. Thank you very much, Enzo. Doug Heinz, welcome to the IHSA Safety Podcast. So oh, Great to have you here. Thanks, Ken. Doug, to start, maybe you could share with your listeners a bit about your background and about your role and responsibilities at IHSA.
0: Absolutely. So my background uh, is in transportation. I come from the school bus industry. And uh, one of the things that I am... Very uh, interested in is the whole uh, notion of uh, how we train, not specifically what we train, but uh, that whole idea around uh, principles of adult learning. Also enjoy very much my job at IHSA. As manager of health and safety education and accredited programs, I have the uh, the pleasure of working with 12 subject matter experts that do... Uh, high-risk training across the province of Ontario. And those areas of expertise are, are quite varied and they range from suspended access equipment, that's the swing stages we see on the side of a building, confined space, propane, chainsaw, working at heights, rope access, Mobile crane, and I have three transportation subject matter experts around commercial motor vehicles and fleet operations. From an accredited program perspective, I have a responsibility for a number. <clears throat> um, we have a fleet signing authority MTO driver certification program. We also have a recertification program that I'm responsible for. We run an approved uh, air brake instructor program. We are a recognized assor- authority ourselves under the driver certification program uh, for. Z endorsement. Uh, we have an approved program for uh, school bus, school bus driver improvement course. It's a requirement of a B or E license. And I'm also the chair of the CVR review panel.
1: All right. So, uh, Doug, with all of that credentials and background, we can weigh right into a really, uh, a really tough question to start with, because um, you may, uh, as you know, we've just completed a, a five-part series on supervisors under provincial, provincial legislation in workplaces. And now we, uh, with yourself and uh, Bruce Christensen from ESTC, now we're focused on federally regulated workplaces. So my first question to you, Doug, is how would an employer know whether they are covered by the provincial health and safety legislation or the federal health and safety legislation?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. And certainly it's a question that creates a certain amount of confusion within some sectors um, and understanding if you are, when and when you might not be. So I think I'll start by saying that the Canada Labour Code A is split into three parts. Part two is the health and safety portion. And Canada Labour Code applies to federal work undertakings or businesses. So some great examples that are covered by federal legislation would be banks, railways, airlines, uh, pipelines, telecommunications. And then one that is uh, an IHSA member would be transportation. Specifically, I'm going to talk about for higher trans-border uh, trucking. So um, that piece is where we start to get into some gray area <clears throat> absolutely in that first of all I said for hire so for hire means I'm taking somebody else's product and I'm delivering it if I'm taking my own product amazingly the rules are a little bit different I would also say trans border trucking I'm going outside the borders of the province of Ontario on a regular basis so so another challenge in understanding whether you're uh, federal or not is what constitutes regular. So I come from the school bus business. Um, the uh, high school down the street they do a grade 12 trip to Quebec City every June. Is that regular? Yeah, I'll come back to that in a second. Uh, additionally, um, there's 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 questions around if I was a firm that uh, was based in Ontario. I'm doing trucking and I'm only delivering within the borders of the province of Ontario. And then my customer says, I've got a load for you to take to Michigan. Can you do that for me? Oh, absolutely. We'll look after that for you. So at what point when they start leaving the province, do they change from provincial federal and on the flip side if someone has been going into the states and they say you know what this whole border crossing thing is a big challenge for me and as such we're, we're going to let those contracts go and we're going to just focus on the contracts that we have within the province of the province of ontario if they were previously federal at what point do they come back to being a provincial entity so what i can tell you is esdc uh, in years past did an awful lot of jurisdictional reviews. So companies trying to understand whether they were federal or not would go to them and say, help me understand. And so they would go through a uh, an evaluation and they would come out and say, yeah, you're federal. No, you're not. But I think they spent an awful lot of time and resources uh, doing jur- jurisdictional reviews. And as such, I'm going to say probably five plus years ago, they stopped doing those. If they ask federal health and safety uh, officer, whether we are federal or not, the response is you need to seek legal advice in that regard. And certainly as it relates to some of the situations that I talked about, the one offs, we're taking something outside the province, we're backhauling a product of somebody else's. We typically take our own. Uh, That's where that's where the legal folks need to weigh in and provide that advice uh, which legislation that they should be they should be following
1: so doug transportation is uh, an industry that i should say supports and and as i understand from what i heard you say you know one way of looking at it is if you're a for hire Transportation company, and you are going outside of the boundary. That might be that might be a good clue that you are a federally regulated organization, uh, or it's a federally regulated workspace that that you're that you're under. So you're under the the Canada Labour Code in regards to the regulation. But as you said, that's not the end all be all. And the best thing to do if there's if there's a concern or there's any ambiguity, is to go and and seek legal advice to to pinpoint whether or not you're. Your federal or provincial?
0: Absolutely. I Absolutely. I think, I think there are situations where we could say it's a slam dunk that somebody is federal. You know, they're taking somebody else's product and, and they are going into the states daily or they're going to Western Canada daily with their vehicles. If somebody asked me the question, I I, I I would feel free to weigh in and say, yeah, you're federal. But it's I think it's some of those other situations that there is some ambiguity where uh, legal advice is required for sure.
1: So some of our listeners, whether they're you know, a supervisor or or a provincial regulation or a federal regulation may be interested in knowing what the difference is between the two. Uh, could you speak maybe a bit about um, if you're a supervisor in a provincial regulated workplace or a supervisor in a federally regulated workplace, what are some of the similarities and differences between... Between those two?
0: I think from a similarity perspective, what we know is the legislation and, and ultimately what supervisors need to do is is very similar. I heard it described once as Coke and Pepsi. They're very they're very similar. And so if if what we're trying to do is get trying to get work completed efficiently in the same way, that absolutely is similar because um doesn't matter what the jurisdiction is. I think, you know, what we do to keep people safe from a uh, occupational health and safety requirements, uh, policy and procedure and understanding the workplace specific hazards, that's kind of universal. So I would say that uh, absolutely would be a similarity. I think one of the one of the differences, and as I was thinking about this earlier today, I recognized that often people will move from one company to another, and so if somebody's been in a supervisory role in a provincially regulated. Uh, workplace, and then they are now find themselves in a federally regulated workplace. What are some of the differences? So I think the very specific nature of some of the requirements under uh, the regulation, uh, Canada Occupational Health and Safety Regulation, I'll say COHSR later, and that's what I'm referring to. There's some, there's some very prescriptive requirements that uh, a supervisor manager or supervisor would want to know to be able to do their job properly uh, to do that uh, effectively. Occupational Health and Safety Act, various regulations for sectors, this The Canada Labour Code has coverage for this wide array of sectors, and there are some regulations for airlines or otherwise, but the Canada Occupational Health and Safety Regulation covers off quite a number of different workplaces, and as such, it is kind of interesting to see within that regulation how specific it gets. Part 14 uh, of the COHSR materials handling, it gets into... Requirements around manual lifting, depending on where you are in the company. Are you working in an office? Are you working in a warehouse? What are the weights that you're going to be lifting? And as such, you could say, I don't have to lift that. It exceeds the requirement. Or now we have to provide training. So they get into some some very, like I say, very prescriptive requirements. Uh, part 15, <clears throat> hazardous occurrence, investigation, recording, and, and reporting That is a really important one. And I think that's another place where there's some confusion between the provincial and federal side of things. So, if I'm a federally regulated transportation company, I still have reporting requirements to a provincial entity, WSIB, from a workplace uh, uh, insurance, uh, safety and insurance perspective. The piece that they often miss would be that, depending on the situation, they have rep- reporting requirements to labor program of ESDC as well. And e- even down to um, some, some fine detail, Like and, and uh, as it relates to workplace injuries, we talk about lost time. In Part 14 of that regulation, when they're deeming it to be lost time, they say, if the day that you would miss work is actually not a work day, it's still considered lost time. So, you know, if somebody gets hurt on Friday and 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 they get better by Monday, there's no lost time. But a federal perspective, if I'm injured on the Friday and I would not have been able to go to work on the Saturday, even though I don't work, on the saturday that impacts uh, the reporting requirements so so getting to know some of those differences absolutely is important and the last one I'll just mention part 19 hazard prevention program federal companies need to have a documented health and safety program to address recognizing assessing controlling evaluating all the hazards uh, in their workplace so if i'm going to be supervising in that workplace i need to understand what the legislation says i need to understand what our specific prevention program is, again, to be able to say that I'm compliant with requirements.
1: Thanks, Doug. So, it, it you know, on the high level, when we're talking about identifying and controlling hazards, if we're talking about communicating to, to your workers, if we're talking about uh, doing inspections, high level, a lot of similarities between the two. The differences really come into the, uh, the specifics and legislation. So is there anything under the Canada Labour Code Part 2 that states that an employer is required to provide training for supervisors and workers um, in occupational health and safety Safety?
0: Uh, absolutely. So section 125, subsection one, paragraph Z uh, indicates that uh, employees who have supervisory and managerial responsibilities are adequately trained in health and safety and are informed of the responsibilities they have under this part where they act on behalf of their employer, part being capitalized, meaning they're referring to legislation. A couple of points to make there, adequately trained, adequately trained is reflective of one's job tasks, the nature of the work that's being done, the nature of the hazard. So adequate training one supervisor to another might look a little bit different. The other thing that I want to point out is that it says where they act on behalf of their employer. What we know is in many workplaces, the owner is probably not out on the floor telling people exactly how they do things. We rely on supervisors to to make sure that that work happens and that work, that, that work happens in a safe way. So the fact that they're saying responsibilities they have under this part where they act on behalf of their employer becomes extremely important. And just to give you a sense of the number of specific duties of the employer – that might, some of them, be assigned to a supervisor in in part two, section 125, subsection one, specific duties of the employer, starts with 125.1a, goes all the way to Z, and they weren't done yet, and it goes to Z19. So we have 44 different specifically written duties of the employer That in many cases, we could make the leap and say that then gets assigned to, that responsibility gets assigned to the supervisor because they're acting on behalf of the employer. Now, one other one, because we're talking transportation to the greatest extent here, and this is a wordy one. I'm going to read it slow and then I'm going to provide a, uh, a situation that would uh, be reflective of what they're trying to get at here. Every employer shall, in respect of every workplace controlled by the employer and in respect of every work activity carried out by an employee in a workplace that is not controlled by the employer to the extent that the employer controls the activity. So let's think about transportation. We have our fixed operations and we're control of that. But now I'm going to send my truck driver to a location in another province, in another state, wherever that might be. And they're going to go into that yard. They might go into that facility. I, the employer, or as they're referred to, the employer does not have control of that facility but they have responsibilities to ensure that where that worker is going, that that is a safe place for them to go. So if I'm a supervisor of drivers and I'm dispatching them to those locations, that starts to become significant that I have that responsibility to make sure that they're going to be safe in that location as well. So, so that whole training piece and the responsibility that goes with that, because they're acting on the be on behalf of the employer, is quite significant.
1: So, Doug, in, in the uh, in the province of Ontario, for for decades, IHSA has uh, trained five thousand plus supervisors every year in basics of supervising under provincial regulations. It's arguably been one of the most popular course that I should say have run. We offer a similar course for supervisors under federal regulations, but that's not as well known. And it's a, it, it's a, it's a course that there's no cost to our members to come and attend. It's a two day course. What are some of the reasons for anybody that's listening that hasn't come to a basics of supervising course and works in a federally regulated workplace what are some reasons that a supervisor would attend this two-day course? What would they get out of it?
0: Well, I'll I'll go to what they get out of it in a second. I'll start by saying, wow, why would they want to go? It's a great program. It provides a wonderful foundation of knowledge for the requirements to be able to do your job properly. And if you are an IHSA member, you have the ability to go to a two-day program that provides you with great resources, a copy of the legislation, and if you register in a public program, it doesn't cost you anything. So there's just fantastic value for uh, for participants. What they will get out of it, certainly the ability to locate and cite sections of uh, the Canada Labour Code and the regulations to understand what their requirements are would be an important one, recognizing there are some very specific requirements that we've talked about before. Understanding the numbering system and having the ability to find the answer uh, certainly is important. Identifying duties of workplace parties. So the, identifying their duties in a, in a federal workplace, obviously important. And then I think recognizing often supervisors are seen as individuals that are looking to get work done, and I'll add as a safe way. So how do we integrate health and safety into the uh, day-to-day activities of what it, whatever it is the task we're doing? So other some of the other topics that are covered in that program are how do we communicate hazards So whether we're talking about safety talks, how do we properly orient a new worker? How do we do workplace inspections? What should I be looking at? How do we do investigations uh, of incidents? What are my obligations around enforcing health and safety rules? And certainly, if I don't know what I don't know, I can't enforce the rules. But if we're acquainted with what the requirements are, it certainly goes a long way in being able to do that. And then also, uh, one of the topics we uh, talk about is the importance of documenting uh, those day-to-day activities in a logbook. So if a situation ever happened or we needed to go back and, and, and check on sort of what happened on any particular day, Uh, We would have that information. So it is an excellent program, and I would really encourage folks that are in a supervisory role to take advantage of that. I will add one thought, and that is why has somebody maybe not taken that particular program? And I'm aware that within transportation, they have a, a wide array of legislation that they need to follow to be able to have trucks go down the road. If we're talking about going into the states, the added layer of administration that's required related to border crossings, so going both directions, uh, you know, sending information ahead, all that sort of thing. Uh, So Highway Traffic Act, USDOT, all of that to say they have an awful lot of legislation outside of what we're talking about that they need to attend to, and many of those are required to have the trucks go down the road. So as I've sort of thought, why do we not maybe have as many people as uh, taking advantage of that program as we, we think should? I think that in transportation, the health and safety piece that they're thinking about is really Highway Traffic Act or over-the-road requirements. And not in all cases are they going to the health and safety legislation piece. So I think becoming aware of that and attending a program like that goes an awful long way in helping somebody understand what the requirements are.
1: And Doug, so understanding legislation, critically important. How about the the soft skills or some of those people skills that I think we could say are... Are as important so if if you understand legislation but you can't communicate it to your crew or you your relationship with your crew isn't optimal perhaps the legislation doesn't that doesn't flow quite as freely so what about those soft skills and those people skills is that looked at during the two-day course uh, in terms of how to enhance those and maybe improve upon them
0: Absolutely. Dealing with challenging people and communication and all of those pieces are covered off as well. And we have some additional programming that, uh, you know, if somebody took basics of supervising federal and they said, I'd really like to enhance my learning related to a specific topic, there's others uh, that that uh, people could take advantage of. But to your point, I would agree 100% that ultimately supervisors are just people helping people be able to do their job, do it in a safe way. And those ca- interpersonal connections uh, that we make within work, a supervisor's ability to listen and be heard, strong communication skills, and certainly being respectful in building that safe workplace goes a long way in, in ensuring that people do the right thing for the right reason. So couldn't be more on board with the need to have good supervisors with good people skills, because I think an individual that knows the code in- Inside out, but doesn't have those people skills. Uh, I'm not convinced that things would play out exactly uh, as, as well as they could or should.
1: Doug, it's, it's it's almost impossible for a supervisor to know everything. Maybe if you're Doug Heinz, that's fine, but for the rest of us mortals, uh, not so easy. So outside of training. How would a, a supervisor in a federally regulated workplace keep up to date on legislation changes or best practices or other important occupational health and safety information? How, how do they do that apart from going and taking training?
0: Thanks. You know what, uh, I am such a great, uh, great fan of our fleet safety councils that we have across the province. What a wonderful way to stay on top of changes to legislation and over-the-road requirements, all of that sort of thing. Fleet Safety Council, we've got chapters uh, from Ottawa to down Windsor Way and uh, up north in Sudbury and uh, safety professionals that re, uh, that meet monthly to understand requirements, um, often ESDC as well as MTO, Ministry of Labour are guests and uh, what a great place to be able to understand what's coming, what's required, what's happening within industry and then the added value of the uh, networking opportunities that happen in those venues uh So, that's absolutely something that uh, people should look into because there's very limited cost uh, and uh, there's an awful lot of benefit that uh, that comes out of that. Uh, additionally, I would say, you know, IHSA's website, Road Safety Solutions, just from a what should we be including in our overall program, something to check out. Uh, currently with COVID, uh, we have a lot of transportation-specific resources that individuals should take advantage of. And then ESDC has a lot of information on their websites so they have uh, interpretation bulletins that maybe put in simpler terms what a specific section or requirement would be. So so looking up those, I think, is also a valuable way to understand what uh, the folks that enforce the legislation are really looking for in any specific area.
1: So Doug, if I'm a supervisor listening right now, for me, you've given me a, a few nuggets of, of great information and great advice. Number one, if I haven't taken it yet, I should go to the IHSA website, look under training and take a look at basics of supervising, federally regulated. Again, there's no cost for the public programs, for those that are members of IHSA. It's a two-day program, and as Doug talked about, highly beneficial to better understand legislation, as well as to improve upon those soft skills. The second thing I heard you say was the Fleet Safety Council. So that's an opportunity for someone to get more involved in their local region, to work with uh, others that uh, are in similar positions to themselves, and hear from IHSA, from the Ministry of Transportation, and and other regulators. And then the last one is the Road Safety Solutions page on on IHSA, uh, which has, as you mentioned, lots of different policies uh, that you can download, sample policies, and e-learning, and just a whole host of great information. So thanks very much, Doug. I really appreciate you joining us today and sharing all of that information with uh, supervisors in federally regulated workplaces. Thanks so much for joining us.
0: You're welcome, Ken. So glad to be here.
1: And thank you for everybody for listening to this series on supervisors. Thanks for listening. To hear more in this series, join Ken Rayner as he speaks to other IHSA subject matter experts at IHSA SafetyPodcast.ca. Thanks for listening. I'm Enzo Garitano.
0: The IHSA Safety Podcast. For more episodes, tips, and all things safety, go to IHSA SafetyPodcast.ca.